Third-generation entrepreneur Adam Toporek uses his years of experience in the trenches to help you design and deliver customer experiences that work in the real world. All right, let's get cracking. Ginny, are you feeling invincible? You know, when I'm on this podcast with you, Adam, I'm always feeling invincible. <laughs> There's a lot of ways I could take that, Ginny. We can unpack that a lot of different ways. <laughs> let's not. Let's keep the suitcase closed and uh, start. <laughs> How about that? So Excellent. We want to be invincible, Jeannie. That's the goal today. Uh, our brand, our show, ourselves, all of those good things. Because when you're invincible, nothing can touch you. It's true. I, I mean, just the word makes me feel like I should be Wonder Woman, like wearing a cape right now. <laughs> All right, look, the hero thing is mine. We're going to have some lines <laughs> oh. on, on this podcast. We're going to have a few lines, okay? So you want to be Wonder Woman. I get it. <laughs> no, first of all, Jeannie, let's be very clear. I am Wonder Woman. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I want to be. That, the insults are just piling up here, Jeannie. I tell you what, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> but anyway, so we are talking about, and it's very timely right now because it just seems like there is a PR corporate crisis, cultural crisis every two seconds. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have on Melissa Agnes, who is all about invincible brands and how to manage these things and the difference between crisis and issues. Yeah, we had a really fun conversation because when you think about how often the news is full of a video that some rando took, right? Some rando? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, of something horrible that affects a brand. So how a company treated somebody, how somebody representing the company maybe didn't represent the company in the right way. And that is a real issue that we all have to deal with with our brands. We have to assume that something will be captured on video, most likely, that will not reflect what we want reflected about our brand. So how can we not only react to it, but how can we be better prepared for it? And that's what's so interesting about this conversation. For sure. And I'm just hoping the next thing that gets caught on video is you saying rando. <laughs> well, it's on audio at least. You're right. Yeah, so we we have it recorded on audio, but video just, it doesn't have the punch of video. Really. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Melissa's super insightful. Has worked with some great brands and really you know, weaves the intersection between this issue and customer experience because so many of the issues we've seen have come out of how organizations or in many cases, just the individuals within organizations have treated customers. So I think it's a really valuable discussion here on Crack the Customer Code. And why don't we hear a little bit more about Melissa? Yes. Let me tell you about Melissa Agnes. She is the author of Crisis Ready, Building an Invincible Brand in an Uncertain World. Melissa Agnes is a leading authority on crisis preparedness, reputation management, and brand protection. Agnes is a coveted speaker, commentator, and advisor to some of today's leading organizations faced with the greatest risks. As a strategic advisor and keynote speaker, Melissa Agnes has worked with NATO, ministries of foreign affairs and defense, financial firms, technology companies, healthcare organizations, cities, and 
<laughs> After I have my coffee, I'll say that better. Municipalities, <laughs> law enforcement agencies, global nonprofits, and many others. There are just too many in that list. That's the problem. She's worked with all these amazing places. Agnes is the editor of the Crisis Ready blog, a contributor to Forbes, and a go-to source for the press, with recent coverage including the Wall Street Journal, Vibe Magazine, USA Today, and many others. Melissa, we're so excited to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to you both for having me. Melissa, I am feeling ready, but I'm not sure I'm crisis ready. So we're going to talk, we're going <laughs> to talk about that. Now you say that being crisis ready is not about crisis management. So instead you talk about building an invincible brand. Tell us about that concept. Yes. Okay. So if you think about crisis management, when a crisis strikes, you are behind. You're, you're, you're doomed, really. Um, in this day and age, it used to be that smart organizations would create crisis management plans, which are you know very general documents, very thick binders tend to be, um, put that on a shelf somewhere. And for whatever reason, it would give leadership solace and thinking that in the event of a crisis, we could just reach for that plan and it would guide us through to crisis management success. But today, with social media, with the real-time news cycle, with live video stream in everybody's pocket, um, by the time you reach for that plan, you're already playing catch-up. You're already behind the story. Stakeholder demands and expectations are already surging in. So when you're crisis-ready, and it's a term that, um, that I coined in its definition – is that you have a culture, you have an entire team, and I don't care if you're a business of one, a business, you know, 10 employees to 10,000 employees. You have a culture where the entire team, every single member of the brand uh, is empowered and trained to know precisely what risk looks like. So how to detect it in real time. They know how to properly assess the material impact of that incident on the brand. So whether it's an issue or a crisis. And then from there, they know not just how to manage it to put it to bed, but manage it in a way that actually connects you closer with those who matter to your business. So building what I call unbreakable relationships and bonds and having a um, in a you know in a negative event, actually using that negative event to not using it, but managing it in a way that actually connects you closer on that emotional level. And if your team can do that, if you can weather any storm to that capacity, then you have an invincible brand. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I'm thinking about that crisis plan on the shelf. Uh, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, it brings about an old quote of uh, President, well, General Eisenhower at the time that pl plans are worthless, but planning is everything. Mm. It's sort of really about that discipline of going through the process and working through it as a team. Oh, it, it's invaluable. And so may, let's make no mistake too, that planning, you're absolutely, planning is essential in order to be crisis ready. You have to think through risk. You have to think through the different layers and nuances and uh, find gaps and strengthen them. So planning is essential, but your plan, and I prefer to call it a program because a plan is linear um, and kind of reactive, whereas a program is cultural. Um it, it's more of a security blanket because your team instinctively knows precisely what to do, like I said earlier, in those ways. So this, I found something that uh, you said that I read very, very interesting because I literally had a moment where I was like, I have never thought about that. <laughs> um, and it was the idea of defining what is a crisis versus what is an issue. And 
it it struck me because I'm like, I know I do this in my own life, right? Like in, instinctually, there are times I think, is this really a big deal? No, it's really not. You're okay. It's going to blow over or whatever. Um, and then there are times it's like, okay, my hair's on fire. Don't get near me. I'm in a crisis. <laughs> like that. And the challenge, go ahead. Sorry. I, no, I was just going to say, I'd never thought about it from an organizational perspective. And so I'm hoping you can help like define what are those two things? How do we define them organizationally so that, to your point, we are ready. We know what program to use and how to react when those things happen. So can you help us define those absolutely. two things? And you're absolutely right, especially in this day and age where issues can go viral And they can feel Mm -hmm. very, very intense and very scary. And emotions run high when things, negative things go viral. But virality is not the criteria that defines crisis. And so it's so essential to understand the difference and to understand the difference for your brand, no matter the brand, um, because a crisis for one organization does not necessarily translate into a crisis for another. And I can make that real with a cool example after I give the definition. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay, so a crisis is a negative event or situation that stops business as usual to some extent. It stops business as usual because it needs to capture the attention, needs to be escalated straight up to leadership, to the very top of leadership, because it demands their decision-making, their directives, their guidance, because the incident itself has risk of having, and I'm going to underscore the word, long-term negative effect on one or all of the following five things. People, so stakeholders, internal and or external, the environment, business operations, the organization's reputation, and or the organization's bottom line. Hmm. So negative event stops business as usual to some extent because it needs to be escalated to leadership because it impacts, it threatens to impact long-term one or all of those five things. Whereas an issue doesn't stop business as usual. It doesn't need to get escalated straight up to leadership. I look at issue management as business as usual on hyperdrive. And that's because it doesn't threaten long-term material impact on people, environment, operations, reputation, and or bottom line. So essentially, it's some of it is about long-term versus short-term. Yeah. And, and the impact of that long term. Right, the impact, yeah, right? So yeah. it's really, yeah, exactly. is it, it going to move the needle in some way on, on the business or the organization, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the, there's an example that I love to use. Um, do you remember, because it, it's comparing apples with apples, which is always, to me, just makes the most sense and is difficult sometimes mm-hmm. to do in these situations. Um, do you remember the incident that happened at the Oscars in 2017? Which, which one? The, the Moonlight? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. La La Land was announced the winner of the coveted Best Picture Award. Everybody from La La Land walks up onto stage. There are three acceptance speeches in. And all of a sudden, somebody says, uh, <laughs> we didn't win. <laughs> Moonlight won. And then this whole right. very embarrassing moment happened where everybody was embarrassed. Nobody knew what to do. Moonlight didn't know what to do. La La Land didn't know what to mm. do. Um, you know, the announcers didn't know what to do. And so this of course, instantly went viral, instantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And everybody for days was talking about the crisis at the Oscars. Now I'll put it to you both. Was this a crisis or an issue for the Oscars? 
I would say issue. issue for the Oscars. How about the accounting firm? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and we'll, we'll get there. So issue uh, for the okay. Oscars. Sorry, I jumped, I jumped no, ahead. which is why I love the example because it's apples with apples. It's the same situation with two different impacts on two different brands. So if we look at it through, it didn't stop business as usual. It was business as usual on hyperdrive, right? Like it did not take leadership to come down from whatever seat they were sitting on in the balcony and come and manage the situation. And a crisis for the Oscars would be something, God forbid, like a terrorist threat or a terrorist attack. That would be a crisis. Like, let's put that into context, right? Whereas the accounting firm, to your point, Adam, is so PwC, they've had this 74, I believe, year long relationship with the Oscars where they are the ones who are have the honor of counting the ballots, determining who won every award, and handing off those envelopes to the announcers as they go on stage. They handed off the wrong envelope. Issue mm. or crisis for PwC? Yeah, crisis. <laughs> Potential crisis, yeah. right? They're in crisis that, management right. mode. If we think about leadership sitting at home watching the Oscars with their family, you know, bowl of chips, uh, maybe a beer, and this they watch this happen, there's no there's no way that they just continued eating those chips and taking another sip of that. <laughs> they shot up and the next day, business as usual stopped to some extent because they needed to manage the relationship with the Oscars, make sure they didn't lose that very special relationship that they had. They needed to make sure that their clients didn't turn around and say, well, if you can't hand off the right envelope, <laughs> can we trust you with our money? You had one job. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a simple job, you would think. Um, and so they needed to be, they, and they were crisis ready to PwC's, uh, you know, benefit and um, testimony. They were crisis ready because it didn't actually go, they actually managed to take a potential crisis and de-escalate it to issue level and manage it effectively. And it did not hurt them in any mm -hmm. way long term. Mm -hmm. That's a great the example. Same situation, two different companies, issue for one, viral issue for one, cr potential crisis for the other. And the way that we respond determines, or the, the what it is and its impact determines the way that we respond. And the entire team needs to be able to detect and then assess what it what it is they're dealing with. Very cool. Excellent I example. Yeah. I, you don't, I, Melissa, we're going to have to let you in on the backstory behind this whole situation because actually Moonlight uh -oh. didn't win. Crack the customer code one. <laughs> in a special in category, category. created <laughs> the, the movie's a podcast. Podcasts under an hour about customer experience with two exactly hosts. right. So. The, the most narrow category that only we <laughs> exactly. Well, speaking of that, uh, this is crack the customer code. So I'd love to talk about the intersection of crisis management and customer experience because obviously there are things like product failures, data breaches, all that kind of stuff, uh, and so many. PR crisis, though, that we've seen, particularly lately, particularly in the last few years, seem to come from that human portion of the customer experience, so somebody in the organization doing or saying something they should not have done. So what I'd like to know is where does culture and training fit into creating that invincible brand you talk about? It is so essential. It It's the determining factor, really. I mean, if we look at Doc, you remember the incident that United faced last year with Dr. Dow? Mm -hmm. where he was yep, for brutally sure. dragged off the plane. So many things went wrong there. So many things. But if we go to the root cause of the problem, how often do we hear about United being in the, in the, in the news for a negative event, mm -hmm. right? They United has, so one of my crisis ready rules is uh, people above process and bottom line always. United has a skewed culture where it's process and bottom line above people. 
So if we look, so talking about, you know, an employee, so it wasn't a United employee that dragged Dr. Dow out of the plane brutally. It was airport security, but United employee, the stewardess called in security. She was following process. They have a culture and I don't work with United. So this is purely observation over years (laughs) um, of incidents. Um, but they have a culture that is processed. So she was not empowered as a culturally speaking to think outside of the process. And that's where the problem lies. And mm-hmm. so we could say it was a human error. It was a human gaffe. It was um, one of, you know, it was social media. One of the other crisis ready or another crisis ready rule is uh, always assume there's video. <laughs> Please people <laughs> always assume there's video and act accordingly. Um, but so yeah, so culture and customer experience, the way that we, everything from the ties that we create with our customers, the experience that they have with the brand, the values that we share, the emotional connection that leads to building the relationship that our customers have with our brands, all of that, the more you do that um, instinctively and as a from a cultural component every single day to my friend, uh, Captain Chris Chung from the Mountain View Police Department in Silicon Valley, he says it beautifully. He says that every day, Mountain View Police Department takes measures, takes actions to make deposits into what they call their bank of community trust. And he says that in a crisis, it's inevitable. We have to withdraw from that bank. But our goal is that post-crisis, there's still trust left over. And that goes to culture and that goes to the mindset of the organization, the way the team is empowered. And from and that's just an everyday business smart you know, strategy. Um, but when it comes to crisis management, when you have that those unbreakable relationships, you also gain the benefit of the doubt at the onset of a crisis, which is a very, very powerful advantage to have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's such, it, it, I mean, there are so many layers to the onion on this, you know, like you can just peel back and peel back. And when I, I live in Chicago and so United is our hometown airport. They were, they used to be kind of a gem, you know, we were very proud of them. And when that crisis happened, one of the things that struck me was every night on the news here, every update I got from the Chicago Tribune about that specific United incident was about another layer to it that affected local, you know, like what what responsibility did O'Hare, the airport itself, have there? What responsibility did the city, who technically owns the airport, have there as well? So it went on and on and on. And you think about all those different levels and how some of those were probably issues, some of those were crises. But at the same time, you could tell that they were all kind of left unaware of how to deal with it. Like it was, it was starting from scratch for everyone, including United, about how do we deal with this? Even though to your point, this happens to United a bit. <laughs> just, just <laughs> you think, you think by this point, <laughs> but I mean, you summed it up beautifully because you can tell that they really do put process over people and that comes across over and over. And I think some of their partnerships, some of these organizations that were affected, they might not have that culture, but they were totally left kind That's of not knowing what to do next. Absolutely. Yeah. So thinking through this proactively, even if you feel like you are never like your organization is great and you're never going to have something like this, if your partners or if you're affected by a partner or if you're just a relationship, because all of that comes to light these days, it's not about you can't hide 
from any of these things. People bring those relationships out to the light immediately. So I guess I'm I'm meandering my way to a to another question about those partners partners and partnerships. What do you I mean, some people are in businesses right now listening to this thinking, well, we don't really deal with customers or we don't really deal with the public in this way. So does this affect me? How do how does anybody prepare for that type of situation where maybe they're a partner or a vendor or just have a professional relationship with an organization or a person or a brand that goes awry? How how can any of us deal with that? So the the if there's people listening and they're thinking we don't, you know, we don't deal with the public or we don't deal with um, you know, we're a B2B, for example, not a B2C, mm-hmm. the reality is that business is about people. It doesn't matter what your business is, how big or small it is, what industry you're in. Business is about people. We Our businesses do not function if we do not have, whether it's employees or contractors, whether it's clients or customers or patients or members, um, investors, vendors. Business is about people. Crisis management is about people. So there are, and looking at issue and crisis, it doesn't matter the size of your organization. There are a handful of highly likely most uh, impactful issues and crises that your business is most prone and vulnerable to. Now those lists, those, you know, those different scenarios are different potentially for every organization, but they exist. Every company, every entrepreneur, every business has high, you know, high risk scenarios that are the most likely high impact incidents to occur. What are those? And talking about having, you know, partnerships, it could be sure you have a partnership with somebody. Look, ABC was in uh, ABC. Yeah, ABC was in the news uh, this week uh, when we're recording this, where Roseanne went off the hook (laughs) on Twitter. I don't know if you saw that. I woke up to it yesterday morning and, you know, did some interviews. I think it was hard not to see. (laughs) Yeah, precisely. And so ABC and some other partners took the decision right away to say, you know what, this is not in alignment with our values. We're going to, we cannot, we don't accept, right? And we're going to back out and we're no longer associated. Um, That can happen in that level to anybody. And it could also be something else where um, maybe, and it can go either way. Maybe as a consultant, you have great, wonderful clients that are big mega brands and you're seen at where their data is very valuable and you're seen as the weak link potentially that if i breach you i could get into that company so maybe you're a risk for your clients or vice versa if you i had a client that the their bank where they put their payroll um, was breached and as a result their employees were breached so they had to deal with that um, because of uh, so there is there are highly likely most you know high impact scenarios no matter what your business is and understanding i said earlier crisis ready is not about crisis management when you're crisis ready you don't have to crisis management because, or crisis manage because you don't have crises you have issues that you put to bed that and you use those to you know as opportunities to live your values and connect closer with those who matter most to your business but in order to know what to do you have to put thought into it now and you have to prevent the preventable and then prepare for the unpreventable. Mm. So how do you think, because ABC did address it very quickly. Do you think they turned what could have been a crisis into an issue? And you, you know, and, and of course we're, 
we're at the beginning of this, so we have no idea what's going yeah, to happen. For our <laughs> listeners, because this will come out a little later, uh, whatever our answer Melissa gives, she's giving it like a day after it happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that they – so, I again, I haven't worked with ABC, especially not on this one, but um, knowing – who Roseanne is as a character, as a human being, <laughs> mm-hmm. they, if they're smart, if they were crisis ready, which they seem to have been, um, they knew that she was a risk. And the, because of this, like this was a high risk scenario in working with Roseanne Barr. That's just mm-hmm. what it was. Um, and it happened, right? It was kind of inevitable and it happened. And their response was so quick. And it's it's complicated in the sense that controversy is one of the most challenging types of crises to have to manage because segregation occurs no matter what due to emotion and the very nature of controversy is one, there's opposing sides, right? That are emotionally mm-hmm. um, founded. There are the, the opposition or the stance that you take um, goes in line with your values. And um, so it's emotionally driven. That's a very, very challenging type of incident to be thrown into because segregation, you're, I mean, you can't appeal to everybody. You're never going to in those situations. Um, It's one thing to launch yourself into controversy. It's another thing to find yourself in controversy that it's really a sucky situation. Um, So, and there, but there's a recipe and I have it in my book. um, It's for or formula for managing these types of controversial issues and crises. And that's first. So it's three steps. The first is to be thoughtful You want to look at, you want to understand the emotion involved. You want to understand the risk involved. You want to understand every single side of the coin um, of, you know, and you also need to use your values, your organization's values as your guiding beacon. So you need to be very, very thoughtful very quickly. Then the second step is you need to be decisive. You cannot be wishy-washy when dealing with a controversial topic because you're just going to end up segregating the segregated audience, right? If you keep going back and forth, you're just going to keep cutting your stakeholder, your audience um, down in the in in terms of um, their values and tie with your brand. Um, so you have to be decisive, which ABC was. They looked at the risk and if they were crisis ready, they knew it was a risk and they probably Drew, drew a threshold and said, here's what we will tolerate from this character and here's what we won't. And if she passes this threshold, because this is a highly likely scenario, then this is the, pro- you know, this is the stance we're going to take. And here's some communications that we can pre-draft and have ready to go. And then when you're communicating, so the third step is in your communication, you need to be clear and concise managing, taking that stance in alignment with your values. It's not about going on some kind of ramble or rant that's hundreds of words long. It's really about stating, you know, the stance that you've chosen, why, how it aligns with your values and making that very, very firm with no room for misinterpretation or, you know, um, yeah, misinterpretation. And then sitting back and letting the conversation unfold. Because after that, there's nothing further to say. And ABC did that beautifully. Yeah, I would say everything you said, I was kind of checking the box. They really did address that very, very quickly in those ways and and mention their values specifically. Yes. So yeah, that's interesting. Well, the va- I would think the values piece is what creates the second piece. And what I mean by that is by having the values in place, to begin with, they're not sitting there going, well, are there more Roseanne fans than there are people that are going to be upset by her? They're not making a business calculation. They're basically already know going in, this is the line. We've crossed the line. We're done. 
Yes. And it makes it uh, easier to uh, sort of get to that speed part, right? I forgot how you phrased it, but basically be fast, right? <laughs> be quick, Absolutely. Don't, don't, don't dawdle. So let me ask you a quick question because the Roseanne thing is uh, very clear, right? It's just, there are a lot of situations mm-hmm. that are very gray. Uh, somebody puts, posts a video and says an employee said this to them, but you don't have video of the employee saying it. Now the company has to investigate. Now the company has a chance, you know, basically has to give due process to the employee on the cultural side and just on the ethical side, but also needs to address it. How do you navigate those sort of more gray situations where you have to pause, but you really don't want to pause, right? You want to stand, stand firm and fast quickly, but it's not that easy. When, so in a, are we still talking about like a controversial type of incident or is this some kind of. Yeah, let's let's say somebody at a you know a fast food restaurant, a customer posts some video and says, "This, uh, I just walked out of there. This uh, person at the front desk said this to me at the counter. Said this to me." You don't have video of them saying it. You have somebody saying they said it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, right. So that gets really gray all, uh, immediately. So something like that, really gray and challenging. So, I come from retail, so I, I, this stuff is uh, near and dear to my heart. Okay. I, I hear you. Um, <laughs> um, the thing with that, so that video probably won't go viral because I mean, in this context, right? Because so what you want you to train your team to do is to evaluate the, uh, properly assess the emotional relatability of a situation that will tell us whether or not it's likely to capture attention in, in a substantive long-term potential impact kind of way. If somebody takes a video recording and, and I also do not believe um, that any one person is uh, statistically insignificant. I think that if you have a strong brand, then every single customer, every single human matters um, and should be acted, you know, appreciated and um, your actions should flow with that. I love so that. just because a video doesn't go viral doesn't mean that that customer wasn't potentially wronged and shouldn't be, you know, made right, uh, made whole. Uh, you're going to get applause from the crack the customer code team. Every customer is important. Yes. <laughs> every customer is, every person is important, right? Nice. And we never mm-hmm. know. We honestly don't know. We could say, oh, well, that Twitter follower, you know, or yeah, only has, I don't know, 140 tweets or 140 followers. It's not going to go anywhere. And all it takes is that emotional relatability to be captured by the right one person that could be amongst those 140, whatever number I just gave, um, and then it goes viral. So having the lens of people first always, and then oh, and then having your team understand how to assess the emotional relatability of a situation will enable you to assess whether it's an issue versus a potential crisis, and then take the right steps in accordance with that. That's great. That's, I mean, the people first thing really does summarize so much that it can be the North Star for really any organization. So it's, it's, it's a great perspective that you have putting this out there and, and really making sure that we're all proactive about it and thoughtful and basically assuming there's always video, folks. <laughs> like, let's just let's just all embrace that fact. <laughs> yes, and and doesn't that make it? If we do embrace that fact, then doesn't that kind of it changes the skew, right? Oh, totally. So totally. Yeah, I uh, 
I mean, it's like telling my kids around Christmas that Santa's watching, you know? Yeah, it's <laughs> like, precisely. The behavior changes. Behavior. Yeah. <laughs> they want those presents. Uh, it's also, well, it's it- also important to remember that uh, you know, video lies. It, it seems like it, it seems like the truth, but the how the lens points can show two different, uh, completely different stories. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Well, this was fascinating, as I knew it would be. I'm so intrigued by how you phrase all this and kind of how you package it, because it really does force us to think differently about being crisis ready. And I think it's so important for those who care about customers to really think through this, because this is part of everybody's role now, and we all have to be aware of it. So thank you so much for being here, first of all. And How can people that are listening that want to know more, how can they find you online? Where can they learn more? Absolutely. So firstly, thank you to both of you for having me. This was a fun conversation. Um, MelissaAgnes.com houses everything. I have a new book that's out called Crisis Ready, Building an Invincible Brand in an Uncertain World, uh, which really gives the entire framework of my work with clients um, in a fun and engaging way. So when I wrote the book, I was determined to not write a typical crisis management book that I'm extremely passionate about this, about all of my work. And those books tend to put me to sleep. (laughs) So (laughs) I did not want to create that. And, um, you know, the feedback that I'm getting is just wonderful. And it was designed to take you from wherever you currently sit on the spectrum of crisis readiness straight through to building brand invincibility. So that's available. I mean, anywhere books are sold, but melissaagnes.com will, you know, lead you to the book. There's also just hundreds of videos and blog posts and podcasts and resources, free resources that you can download and use with your team um, for customer experience actually online. Um, So yeah, so melissaagnes.com, I suppose is a long-winded way of saying (laughs) where you can go and find stuff. No, it's great. There's a lot there and we'll make sure that that's all in the show notes. So thank you again for being here. Thanks to you both. Thanks so much, Melissa. It was fantastic. Wow. What a fantastic conversation. And I have to admit, Jeannie, I had a one little weird, this is just one of those funny podcasting things. So the audio like went out a little bit when Melissa was saying the Mountain View Sheriff. Uh-huh. And I thought she said the Mountain Dew sheriff. <laughs> I'm like, well, why don't Mountain Dew have a sheriff? How does she know him? And <laughs> how they become friends? And like all this stuff went in my head, and then she said Silicon Valley. I was like, oh, Mountain Dew. Okay, got it. Um, <laughs> I was like, is Mellow Yellow attacking them? I don't, I don't get this. So oh, I, I, I know I just had a little moment there when that happened. But what, maybe what are, we all need a brand sheriff now. Like somebody who can just show up and be like, "Excuse me, ma'am." <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. We should have a crack the customer code share if I like that. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll right. nominate one of our, one of our listeners to be the sheriff. That would be awesome. <laughs> and you can take care of that uh, whole search and recruiting process. Go ahead. Jason. You got it. <laughs> wow. This is not where we w- thought we were ending up, but <laughs> well, what, what do you say when you go to Mountain Dew sheriff, where else are you going to go? Really? That's true. That's true. But I, I learned so much in this conversation and I learned so much just by doing some research uh, preparing for this because she really does have so many insights about how to be better prepared for the issues that come up that could turn into crises. But we have control. We have more control than we might think. And that's what's so great about it. Right. And that key is being ready, right? I mean, it's the name of the mm-hmm. book, Crisis Ready. But that's, I mean, that's really the point is if you wait until it happens, it's too late. And yep. it's a, such a valuable lesson, even for people you know listening to this podcast that are in customer experience that are that maybe sometimes tangentially associated with PR. It's a key message, I think, across the organization. And one thing uh, we we didn't mention it 
during the interview, but I want to drop it in here. So make sure to check out the show notes. Melissa has kindly offered us the crisis ready flow chart. Yes. So yes, yes, we have a freebie from Melissa. So thank you so much for that, Melissa. We will uh, link to that in the show notes uh, and make sure to check that out. The crisis ready flow chart. Apparently it's tattoo worthy. Just saying. <laughs> yes. Yes. She said somebody mentioned it was so worthwhile. They might tattoo it on their body. So they always had it with them. <laughs> so that's a high, high compliment, I would say. So yes, thank you to Melissa for doing that. And thank you for the conversation. It was really, really, it was great. I loved it. And thank you, our dear listeners. Thank you so much for listening to Crack the Customer Code. If you haven't subscribed yet, what on earth are you waiting for? Our subscribers get newly released episodes immediately and they might be nominated to be the sheriff around here. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Crack the Customer Code is a proud member of C-Suite Radio, so be sure to check out all the great business content at c-suiteradio.com and c-suitetv.com. We so appreciate you spending your valuable time with us. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our trademarked customer experience investigation process and more at experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm Adam Taborg, and you can learn more about me, our customer service workshops, and our virtual training at customersetstick.com. I may not be the sheriff, but apparently I am Wonder Woman. So keep that in mind when you call. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.